Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome listeners to this installment of the Feelin' Film Podcast. We're coming in a bit early this week with our conversation on The Lovebirds, a once theater-bound film that moves straight to digital due to the pandemic we are currently in. It's got comedy, action, and of course, some love, and we'll get into the details of all that. But first, as always with me, my best friend and co-host, Aaron. What's up, my friend? Hey, 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 hey. I appreciate you being (laughs) hilarious, unlike this movie. Oh, wow. That's an indication of... uh... At least one of our opinions of the movie. Maybe. (laughs) Spoiler, maybe. (laughs) Well, before we get into spoiler territory, let's go ahead and ease into the movie with our one-word takeaways. Aaron, you can get us started. Sure. Uh, My one-word takeaway, Patrick, is communication. And I chose that because I didn't want to lean towards something more negative-sounding, which most of the words that were floating around in my head sort of (laughs) started sort of skewed that way um but the one big thematic thing that i really noticed here and in stories like this one is how miscommunication and a lack of communication can seriously impact a relationship there are quite a few events that we see and jabron and leilani's relationship status even at the start of the movie are that are are all are indicators of terrible communication And it got me thinking about how much we reserve when talking to partners and how much we are unwilling to be truthful and honest if we think that something we say is going to hurt the other person. It's a very normal thing to do is to try and be protective. And oftentimes that comes back to cause an even larger issue. And then, of course, there are hilarious moments in this film that also are played on by this same miscommunication or lack of communication, not being clear with one another. So they use that to comedic effect. But I think that communication is critical to a healthy, happy relationship. And that's maybe the best lesson that we can take out of the couple that we see in this movie. Yeah, it's something that I think is played with (laughs) in in the film. And it's wrapped up in... um a comedy that, well, an intended executed comedy. And for some, it probably plays well. For others, it probably doesn't. More than anything for me, the word that I really was able to sum up my experience with this was the word ridiculous, but in a fun way. This is one of those movies that plays off of those things that you're talking about, but putting it in an environment where it's sort of overblown by just craziness there's a movie that came out several years ago called american ultra that kind of plays with the same idea not with a relationship per se but with a ridiculous premise that you sort of go into saying all right i'll bite and there's a little bit of sincerity here and there i was not surprised at its length i think less than an hour and a half so i knew that it wasn't going to be a deep dive into the emotional type stuff. Plus, I mean, if you look at the cast, it's just made to be uh, laughs more than anything else with a couple of different tender moments here. And it brought that. It wasn't something spectacular. 
Um, I, I tell you, I, I had a good time watching it. There are parts of it that I kind of went, what? Uh, no. <laughs> but then there were other parts where I was like, that's good writing. I like that. And I want to be able to do that at some point. So from this point on, you've got our one word takeaways. And now you're entering into spoiler territory. We're going to talk pretty much about the whole movie. It's not that long. It'll be available on Netflix here in the next couple of days. So if you like what you've heard, go check it out. If you're interested anyway, check it out. If not, whatever. You can just keep listening to us rant about it. First up, as we know from our Facebook community, comedies aren't typically what you gravitate towards. I'm going to defend you against a certain contributor and say that you do like comedy. But there are obviously certain ones that you just don't gravitate towards. And I wondered, first and foremost, was this up your alley or were you already kind of behind the curve when it came to this kind of movie? Well, I guess I've already given that away. But here, here's the thing. This is directed by, and I should have written this down, I think his name is Michael Showalter. Yeah. But he also teamed with Kumal for The Big Sick, which is the based on a true story of Kumal and his wife, Emily's getting together, going through a life-threatening illness with her, and ultimately the relationship that they have now, which is amazing. And I love The Big Sick. It's literally one of my favorite comedies of the last 10 years. In fact, if any, in fact, it might be my favorite straight comedy in the sense of like a romantic comedy like this, like we think of as a comedy. There's other movies that are funny, like a Scott Pilgrim versus the world, but I don't think of it as a quote comedy. I think of it as a video game movie. I mean, yes, it's both, but the big sick is up there for me. And so I had really high hopes for this. I think that Kumal and Issa are both hilarious individually. And I expected that there would be a great comedic chemistry between the two of them. And I think that that is still something that can exist. (laughs) But what I need for a comedy to do is I need it to be funny. And I, I didn't laugh much, Patrick. I just didn't laugh much. I unfortunately think that for me, Kumal was played a little bit, Kumal was playing Gibran a little bit more reserved than I needed from him. He was still funny in moments. Um, Issa was very reserved for the most part. And there just weren't a lot of engaging and interesting moments. The movie was visually as bland and as boring as could be. Nothing happens, really. There's no, like, even the the quote-unquote set pieces that you would think of in a comedy like this. So this movie is basically Game Night remade with two different people. And to me, a less interesting premise. And a not-as-cool villain and not-as-cool side characters like Jesse Plemons, not-as-interesting and no neat set pieces. You know, the the places that they end up are very unmemorable for me, other than maybe one um, that we'll talk about towards the end of the film that definitely is memorable. Uh, but, you know, it, it just I it basically tread this line for me, Patrick, of that was a that was a Netflix film. And I said this in my review on Letterboxd that this movie, if it had come out in theaters, it would have been an absolute bomb 
by theater theater box office standards. I do not think it would have done well. It does not have an energy about it. It just kind of coasts along for less than 90 minutes. It's like, hey, here's a plot. Okay, a couple things happen and it's over. And it really just doesn't go any deeper than that. And so I felt like the movie was kind of saved by Netflix in a sense that it gets put there because it's okay. It is okay. Like you said, you had a good time with it. I think most folks are going to either have a, what I had, which is a, that was fine. I by no means am upset that I watched this movie, Patrick. Not at all. Like I had a fine time watching it. I just didn't find anything about it that was going to make me ever want to watch it again, ever need to watch it again. And I was disappointed because I think that those actors could give me so much more and could make me laugh even more with a better script. But it's fine <laughs> in every sense of the word. I mean, I don't know what else to say, but, uh, but so, yeah, so I was open. I went into it open and I actually was part of the one, like, it's not like you came to me and begged me to do this comedy. I was looking forward to this movie going into it. So, um, fortunately I was let down and for once I wasn't let down because of nothing but vulgar humor either. So I was pleased to say this movie does not have a ton of that. Um, there's one plot point that is like sexual in nature, but it's not handled in that same way that I dis I find disgusting. You know, there's a joke here or there, but for the most part, it's pretty straightforward um, humor. And I don't mind the writing. I just don't think that it was done in a way that landed to make me laugh. I thought that it had a lot of great moments that didn't add up to a great movie. I was impressed, surprisingly, by the I liked the writing. I liked the dialogue between the two. I thought they had fantastic chemistry. I love the fact that here are two people who are people of color and there are some gr great lines that are kind of played to that expense where you have them interacting with other people and they're very much self-aware of who they are. And there is all, there are all these moments where I can remember bits and pieces but like you said, it feels kind of like a draft of a script that got tweaked and became Game Night or became American Ultra. It felt safe. It felt somewhat generic with the exception of, and this is really more from a personal preference standpoint, a heightened sense of course jokes. I don't like them. I mean, I'm not a, I can, I can tolerate them, but they're not going to make me laugh if I'm hearing them just constantly. And, and we didn't get that to your point. We didn't get that all the time. Um, I'm fine with language. I mean, that just the nature of, of movies. And I won't necessarily make the argument that this could have been PG 13 or this could have been PG. What I will say is that the plot itself, the story itself felt very tame in relationship to the writing and the script, maybe that was intentional because there were some really great moments where you have this couple who gets put in a situation that we've seen before in similar situation in similar movies where you have a couple who is thrown into this big whatever and they're kind of working out their own personal issues as they go along. True Lies is kind of hit on that a little bit. 
I mean, maybe not apples to apples, but even like Mr. and Mrs. Smith has a similar kind of vibe to it. And so I think the appeal to the appeal of that is valid. But when you look at a movie like this, it feels cheap. It feels as though I was just thinking when you said it, it feels like a Netflix movie, one that doesn't have a huge production budget and tends to what I've seen movie. Most films that come out on from Netflix, if they're fine, they usually excel in an area. They're either really, really great looking from a cinematography standpoint, although that's not always the case. In fact, that's rarely the case because they don't have a huge budget. They have a fantastic cast or they have a really good script attached to a movie, but never all three. And I think you need all three of those to really bring the wow factor. Plus the plot itself needs to be something that's going to make you feel interested. As you mentioned before, it's a movie that doesn't really go anywhere. I feel like it was kind of an around the town heist around the town crime where they're not jet setting. They're not going to Milan or anything like that. It was just like, Oh, this is a neighborhood crime. And there were touches of that, but nothing that I felt like it was, it just felt like it was just around the neighborhood. Yeah. It it really feels to me to put it very point blank that there were several other movies that this pulled from and it was like, we're going to take Game Night and Eyes Wide Shut and, like you said, Mr. and Mrs. Smith or some of these other movies where people, True Lies type films, and we're going to just do those mashed up together with people of color. And that's the focus. And unfortunately, I it feels like that to me. It feels forced. It feels like I want to take a specific type of movie and I want to redo it with people of color. And... I don't think that always works. And I, I maybe it's because that's the intention, like the way that you're going into it. I think you need to like be passionate about a script and then be like, you know what? I envision these two people in this movie, in this scenario. Then it becomes a movie that, yes, is is starring persons of color and can have a unique perspective because of that. But the writing has to be because it needs that. And I, I did not feel that here. I felt like this was was a different kind of movie that then put persons of color in it to try and make it stand out, if that makes sense. It does. And the thing is, is you could replace those guys with white people and there wouldn't be much difference, which tells me that it's not that the actors themselves were not good because I think they were the highlight. I loved listening they were. to them talk to each other from the Absolutely. very beginning when you see them get together to the flash forward several years later and they're just going back and forth. Aaron, these are conversations I've had with my wife. Not exact, but fighting back and forth about social media and being on your cell phone too much and me being holed up in my office all the time. A documentary I mean, filmmaker. I know. Yeah. I was like, Patrick's well, right, making a short film. and <laughs> Yeah, and I'm not showing my wife because of some unknown reason. I get that. I relate to that. So I think in some ways the writing is definitely relatable to an audience of couples, young married couples or or couples that have been together for years and years and years and have gotten used to each other. That's something that I think this movie does well is it highlights what it looks like when you stop discovering your spouse, when you stop looking for the mystery in your partner. And it makes sense 
from a storytelling standpoint, for an entertainment standpoint, to say, okay, that's the premise. We've got two people who don't really know each other anymore, who don't really care to know each other anymore. Let's put them in a situation where they have to care about each other indirectly and then eventually directly. And I think that's what the appeal of these kinds of movies is, is seeing how an honest relationship can look, real stuff that happens in a relationship, what it looks like put up against ridiculous circumstances like having your car hijacked by a would-be cop who ends up being the bad guy and then getting thrown into this whole crime espionage thing and having these moments where you're essentially, as a couple, ripping off the things that we're watching on screen. So I imagine this whole thing starting out with a conversation about the amazing race. I said, okay, the movie's going to end with them being on the amazing race or something's going to happen <laughs> where they're going to end up being on the amazing. And I love the amazing race, by the way. I, I do too. I was like, this is awesome. And so it bookended really nicely because I believe that I believe that, okay, this couple is, they've been together for so long and they've gotten used to each other and they've just sort of gotten to this blah thing when you think about a reality show like The Amazing Race, when my wife and I would watch it, we'd go, those guys are not going to stay together. Mm -mm. This is all about testing your relationship. And honestly, Aaron, I felt like watching this movie, it's it's almost as if the screenwriters and the director were saying, okay, we can't put them on The Amazing Race, but what if we gave them a bunch of things to do that would challenge their relationship like The Amazing Race and then bookend it with that thing? It's kind of a cool premise, but... That's a very when good point. The, when the thing that you're doing isn't really exciting, you have to be able to do more than just carry the movie with these two actors. Yeah, I actually really like that. I could watch. <laughs> I'm not going to, but I could watch it again or replay it in my head, which would only take a few minutes, and think about it in terms of like going through stages of the Amazing Race, and that actually does make it a little more interesting. So I, I can't believe I didn't put two and two together. One thing that holds it back a little bit for me, too, is sort of within the premise. And I don't know that it's this movie's fault. I don't know that any movie that starts like this is going to be successful for me. Unless you really sell me on the couple's relationship beforehand. This one gives us one cute courting scene and then boom, we're fighting and we're not happy and we're showing you that we're four years later and we've had some issues and we're just not communicating anymore and we're kind of flamed out at this point. And for me, I guess it's probably a personal thing, but I guess I strongly <laughs> hesitate to endorse the idea that going through a traumatic event together will miraculously fix your relationship. And that is what happens. In the sense. And, and it's what happens when all movies like this, because people always end up together. They never like have a miraculous realization that yes, they probably are just not meant to be together right now or whatever the case may be. But it works in the storytelling because it gives you something to kind of root for and to have as a bow at the end of it. But I feel like in reality, that this is not necessarily going to result in a relationship that has come full circle and mended itself. And so 
without us seeing anything else other than the trauma, it's hard for me to buy that. It's like a long stand-up comedy routine. When you look at how a stand-up comedian delivers his or her material, they're giving you the highlights of things that are relatable to the audience. When they're talking about their relationship with their husband or wife, they talk about things that an audience is like, yes, that's totally how I am, or that's totally what my wife is like. And so I think what the movie does is it gives us that familiarity, but doesn't necessarily want to take us on a deep dive into that. And it, I don't think it should, Aaron. I think that's that's where I would say dramedies differ from comedies in that the focus is not necessarily on, will they or won't they get together? We know they're going to get together because that's just what happens. We're used to that. I will say that another comedy that I enjoy does something different with a premise like this. It's called The Breakup with Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn. And it takes a different... Now, these guys don't go on a big heist or anything like that. Something, But it's about this couple who we see start out, the beginning of the movie shows them all lovey-dovey, and then the movie gradually takes us through the reality of where they are in their relationship and how it just destroys their lives with each other and how it there's all this tension that had been built up, but it's done through the lens of comedic performances. There are tender moments. There are really great moments for me that I think make this stand out as a, as a good movie, but it's a comedy. There are so many Vince Vaughn like lines in this movie and John Favreau is in there. So, you know, it's going to be at least halfway good because he's great. And it deals with a breakup or it deals with the troubling situation of a relationship that has gone stale in a different way. And I think when you look at the lovebirds, I feel like it's a movie that is just trying to get you to enjoy the ride and not necessarily feel empathy for these characters, but just to take the premise that they're in a bad spot. This is probably going to make it better. Let's enjoy how they're experiencing this together. Yeah. Yeah. It probably works for some people. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> probably does. And that's the subjectivity of, of movies. It's, it's one that I think for me, this would probably be a rewatch had it had more substance and had it done without the whole Illuminati type sequence. With Sacrarium. The... That's the, that's the eyes wide shut callback stuff. Okay. Right there. Okay. So, Again, subjectivity aside, it's it's what comedy does. It pits opposite things together and sees how they react. I am not going to lie. I laughed at a lot of the dialogue in that scene, but the scene as a whole just made me uncomfortable. And I'm glad that there were some things that were held back that we're not looking at straight up like what we're seeing here. But at the same time, I'm just like, did we have to go here? Because... I'm trying to, I'm okay with believing a premise that a couple is getting thrown into this mass crime thing, but now you're taking me down kind of conspiracy theory road. And I'm just like, I don't even want to do with this. And so there for that, I, I was a little, I was a little derailed after that scene and kind of looked at my watch and said, okay, I got 20 minutes to wrap this up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. We're, we're pretty much done with this. So 
I was not bothered by that at all. And in fact, I was more interested once we got to that moment because I was like, all right, now we're going to get into some like Dan Brown stuff or, you know, mystery (laughs) going on here. You know, I again, I didn't buy it because I didn't think for a second that they were going to get into this underground area. But once they do get in there and it starts to immediately come together for me as a lover of like piecing together the mystery. And I'm like, okay, now I understand. And and prior to that, I think that was part of my concern or I guess lack of attachment to the film is I didn't feel like I was figuring out the mystery as it went along. Like it didn't make a lot of sense what went on with Anna Camp's character and the congressman. It was that that was just there for, for humor. We didn't really get a nugget uh, like there's this envelope, what's in it and who's blackmailing and what are they blackmailing for? But like once we got in that spot, I immediately knew I was like, okay, I get it. Like I didn't know it was going to be an orgy cult, but I knew it was some sort of like group cult of some sort that clearly he was a part of and therefore going to be blackmailed. And so I was like, this is entertaining. This is interesting. The moment where they count down and everybody's going to take off their masks. That's probably one of my favorite mo- moments in the whole movie. And I'm just, I would that I laughed. I laughed, gut laughed at that point because I was like, ha ha, that's hilarious. They got you. Right. And so I thought that was great. And, but again, then it was like poof. And while poof might've been great for, it was funny. We're, we're reacting to different parts of the movie in opposite ways because you at that point were like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm glad that that's over. I'm done with that. And I was like, man, I wish this part would have gone on longer. I would not like I didn't not the orgy itself, but like I would have liked to seen more of this storyline happen, you know, and a better villain would have helped. But a better villain would have helped like a better actor, a better performance, a better script for him, whatever. But like he was awful, terrible, useless, pointless, didn't have any role in this for me. And then for him to get shot at the end. And just, it, it was stupid. It it kind of dissolved into, like, I don't want to say comedy. What's the word? It, it's already comedy. It dissolved into, like, ridiculousness. But, like, complete unbelievability at that point. Like buffoonery? That kind of yeah, thing? Yeah. Like, it was like, okay, come on. Like, why are we now killing people? And, and everything's cool afterwards. Like, we're just going to flash forward and we're on the amazing race. Like, there's no mental comeback from that at all. And, and I just, ah. Uh, but yes, the Illuminati thing, I didn't mind it at all. I just would have thought it would be better if it was more fleshed out throughout the movie, kind of hinted at and alluded to in more ways in which it felt like it was a bigger deal and not just tacked on for like a haha orgy funny moment at the end. Yeah, absolutely. I think that aside from my personal discomfort from that, what also bothered me was the fact that there was a disjointedness with all these different pieces. The whole scene with Anna Camp was pretty funny. I at some point said, Aka, excuse me, are you going to, you know, I was, I, I was thinking about that during that scene, but you're right. There, there are all these like pieces, these clues that are dropped, but they don't necessarily point to something. And then you get this whole Illuminati sequence that to me feels like it's coming out of left field, but not left field in a sense like, oh, yeah, they dropped that clue here and that one here, that one here. It's as if, Aaron, they took certain clues and pieces and things that were interesting from these other movies and said, OK, let's drop that here. Let's put this here. If I had to pull a message away from a movie like this, 
the message is there's a lot of really bad stuff going on and it may be interconnected, which sounds a little bit conspiracy theory esque. But in this case, none of it makes sense together. Like from a conspiracy theorist point of view, you would be able to connect the dots as faded as those dots might be here. I didn't feel like that scene connected in any way to the Illuminati sequence at all, except through maybe a line that said, oh, I know who your boss is. Eh, maybe. I mean, is it the boss of the biker? Is it the boss of them? Is it the boss of what is it? And so while the dialogue itself was really good for my taste, I felt like the transition dialogue, I guess you could say, did not make sense. I felt like each scene was written independently of another and it didn't take into account what the next thing that was going to happen was going to do. Totally, totally felt like vignettes. Totally did. I, yeah, I completely agree with you. And the word I was thinking of earlier was flippant, by the way. It finally hit me. The death at the end of this movie kind of felt flippant. It was just like, uh, oh, oh, he's dead. But not in a funny he's dead way like game night, like a oh no, he died. Like we all remember that. But it wasn't funny slash kinda uncomfortable. It was just like, oh, that happened and it's over. And the same thing happens when the cop comes in, mustache. <laughs> I did like them calling them mustache and bicycle throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. That cracked me up. In fact, in my notes, that's what they're I'm referring to them as. I've written all my notes as bicycle and mustache, because that's what they are in the movie. <laughs> but like he walks in and murders an entire house of kids. And it's not even it's not even like there's no thought about it. It's just it, the movie's like moves right on and it just keeps going. It's like not even there's no fake morning. There's nothing. I don't know. It was just, it was kind of weird for me, but I did like some of the, again, the performances. You, you mentioned the performances are great. And there are times when the actors, I think, really elevate that dialogue. And there are a couple scenes that I would want to point out. One specifically, and these are not my connecting points. So I'm not giving it away, but there's one early in the film where they're they're driving. I think it's before they hit bicycle, and he, it comes up that is his character Leilani is anti-marriage. Debron calls her anti-marriage, and he's like, they're they're arguing, arguing, arguing. And this is a great showing of exactly what happens between couples. How you're kind of joke arguing with each other, and you start to cross a line, and then the truth comes out unwittingly it slips out of your mouth and he says i don't want to be with someone who's so satisfied with being shallow and without even hesitation she fires back and i don't want to be with someone who's so satisfied with being a failure and then you really can see it because they're both great actors they sell that moment of oh crap we both just said something that we know to be true in our feelings but we also understand that we just really hurt the person and neither one of us want to feel this way, even though we do. And it was like awkward silence. That moment was fantastic. And probably the singular moment that, along with my connecting point, kind of sold me on their relationship as a whole and where it was at different points. The other one I really, really love, Patrick, is when they are at, her, is it her family that they went to visit? I, I guess I want to say it's her family. I think it's, I guess I her think, brother, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's, on her side and they go in and they're having to make up this story on a fly. And so 
Gibran talks about like having been in boxing class and now he's got this brain injury and it's the ter- most terrible acting ever. Not like Kumal is terrible acting, but Gibran is act- that's actually really good acting. When you can act like you're acting bad, yes. <laughs> that's talent. Yeah. And he does that so well here and Leilani effortlessly flows into it with him and begins they begin to like work this together without having to like pre prep it or anything in order to get Keith to break into the phone for them. It's just a really great scene. And it, and it gets capped off with Jabron talking to Keith who was kind of giving him a bunch of crap. And Keith ends up telling Jabron that Leilani had told him how proud she is of him and how the whole family thinks highly of him because she never does anything but talk about him. And it's one of those moments where you're like, okay, cool. Now we see, you know, we aren't communicating, again, we're not communicating this to each other, but she really does feel this way or else she wouldn't be telling her friends and her family these things about me. And so those were excellent scenes and defining. I just, I mean, I would have liked more of them, but the ones we did get in those moments, I thought were really great. Yeah. And I think that the thing that can make a relationship work or not work is familiarity. If you're too familiar with each other, that can back- backfire on you because you get used to saying things around one another that you normally wouldn't say in a new relationship. My wife and I joke all the time about one of the first times that we, when we started dating, the f- <laughs> she might kill me if she ever heard I was talking about this story, but whatever. It's, um, <laughs> no, I, oh, we, I, I tell this story. <laughs> she knows that I tell this story a lot. I just don't know if she, I'll have to tell her tomorrow that I said it on the podcast, but the first time that she farted without, you know, in my presence, <laughs> oh, no. it was without, it was without, she didn't know that I heard her. And to hear her laugh after I acknowledged that I heard it, it's one of those moments where you're like, okay, I guess we've hit a new level. And we're 10 plus years in our marriage and we're doing this around each other. And, you know, other things that as a new couple, you wouldn't do. We're familiar with one another. And that familiarity can be both good and bad. It can be funny. It can be tragic. And there's a scene played completely for comedic purposes where they're interrogating that dude in his bedroom and they're just going back and forth. And it's just fun to listen to, but it also shows how comfortable they are with each other as a couple, how he knows what she's going to say. So he's going to follow up and then she backs up what he says. And it, does the same thing in a different way of what you're talking about, where they know each other well enough to be able to fill in the gaps, to take up that space, to fill in the Swiss cheese, if you will, of their relationship because they are so familiar with each other. Oftentimes, good drama can get at the heart of both. And I think good comedy can do that as well. I don't know that this executes as well because I wanted more of those moments that you talked about, more balance. I felt like we got a heavy dose of getting these two great actors to deliver these really funny lines. But as you and I are just slanted more towards dramas anyway, we probably wanted more just by default. I also think the movie didn't give us a balanced portion of that, at least not for my taste and obviously for yours as well. But the moments that it did give us, it was a, it was pleasant. And I like seeing couples in real life 
that can do that kind of stuff. There are couples that my wife and I know that are like a comedy team. You know, one person will say something and then his wife will take a dig at him and then he'll follow up with something. And it's, it really is like watching a sitcom. And so I'll just sit back with my popcorn and say, you guys just keep talking. My wife and I will just sit here and enjoy the show because of that, that comfort level. My wife and I are not like that at all. And I don't, I don't regret that. We're just, we have a different kind of familiarity and there's a level of comfort that comes from that. And I think that's what we take a lot of comfort in is being familiar with each other, that we can say things that we know could have been embarrassing 11 years ago with a new boyfriend or girlfriend, but now it's safe. And I think that both of these actors in small ways showed that off in their performances. Yeah. Well said. Well, I don't have much more. I think if uh, you want to move into connecting points, I think I'm pretty surprised that I had one actually with, with kind of the reaction that, that I had. And I mean, when it comes to connecting points, it doesn't have to be something that's like, oh my gosh, life-changing. It can be a moment. It could be a line. And that's the great thing about connecting points. It's what we resonated with the most in the movie. So why don't you uh, let us know what yours is? Yeah. I mean, this is the moment where I smiled the biggest in the movie. And I guess I connected because I felt in this moment that they were a real couple and there was just so much joy they are on their way to the orgy. <laughs> Better way to put that. <laughs> to the conference. secret the, meeting. The conference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they're all they're mistaken because they've just broken into the phone and they think that it says black tie event. And by this point, I knew, OK, we can't take at face value what that says, clearly. And so they think that they're all dressed up and you've gotten a really sweet scene of Gibran not wanting to watch Leilani as she undresses and gets dressed into this nice, beautiful dress because, you know, they're breaking up. And so when it's very common in how you feel when you're not connected to a spouse or a significant other, you just you aren't feeling like you're worthy of that sort of intimacy in that moment. And so it's a beautiful little scene there that we get between them and it leads into this and they're taking this lift. And they're just talking and then freaking firework comes on from Katy Perry. And I, I can't remember who starts singing it first. She does. She does. Yeah. And then he joins in and it's just them belting the song out. And I love the camera work because it spins around and pans out. And the Lyft driver is like just jamming to singing out loud. And you see them in this black tie affair in a freaking lift driving down the road we are expecting them to be facing something that they're not expecting right we know that they're gonna not know what they're walking into but we expect it to be bad and yet here they are and they just are in a perfect moment of enjoying each other's company it's that time where they connect and they are letting down their walls and they're not trying to pretend who they are or trying to be defensive or anything else. They're just enjoying each other's company in the moment and relishing in the fun that is a great pop power ballad song that makes you want to sing. And so they do that and it's beautiful. It's awesome. And I was a little mad that it stopped so soon. I wanted it to keep going, Patrick. I just wanted that scene to just continue on for the next, you know, minute 
minute and a half because I thought it was so hilarious and sweet and amazing listening to them and watching them sing that song. Yeah, and it it's all those reasons where why it was my connecting point. I also like the fact that we get to hear Jabron sing out of key, which is what you do when it comes to power ballads. You're going to sing off key. I love that Leilani is doing all of the the hand motions and being so just overly contemporary with her dance, because this is what couples do. Couples that are comfortable with each other, they're going to sing off key and they're going to be overly excited or overly animated with this. This is what I do. Like every once in a while, I will come into the living room and I will do my best. uh, Kevin James making the pizza from from Hitch, you know. I'm going to do that because my wife and I love that movie. I know that's going to make her laugh. And so I'll do that. And with any other couple, if you're not comfortable, that's going to be embarrassing. That's going to be like, you do not want to show that part of yourself to someone you're on a first or second date with, unless you're selling yourself that way, in which case that's risk. That's risky right there. But yeah, I, I think seeing them in the car, it reminded me a lot of, just any kind of scene where there is a group that just starts singing along with a, a popular song of any kind, Tiny Dancer comes to mind. And you just feel good because you want to be in the car with them singing. Because singing a song that you know the lyrics to brings people together. And when you have a couple that maybe you're not rooting for at that point, but you're supposed to, whatever the case is, it makes sense in that moment. And it was just fun to watch them together. And I also, I love the fact that when it pans back and you see the driver just going, bouncing her head, like, yeah, this is good. Like, this is this is what a typical Saturday night is. Me jamming out and the couple behind me, you know, doing their best Katy Perry. It's like, this is not abnormal at all. So, yeah, definitely a great moment in the movie and, and the highlight for me as well. Well, that wraps up another episode here at Feelin' Film. Next week, we'll be covering our May donor pick in the form of the Maltese Falcon, as well as bringing our faithful patrons some fun conversation on book-to-movie adaptations. We've also decided that since we are living our podcast one movie at a time, we might as well enjoy our summer one-quarter mile at a time. That's right. Throughout the next several months, Aaron and I will be bringing you love for the Fast and Furious franchise as we race through the first seven films. Now that should be fun. If you like the movies, great. If you don't, just come for the conversation because we know it's going to be a blast. (laughs) Aaron, thanks for another great conversation, my friend, and we'll talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at FeelinFilm, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.